Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is a reader-driven and a listener-driven project launched in 2015. So this month, we're celebrating our first six years. We're going into our seventh year. It's pretty exciting. We started out as a small but mighty newsletter, and we just couldn't keep a good thing down. So after that came the news site, www.mustreadalaska.com. It's all about Alaska for Alaskans, especially those who love politics or who really love to protect freedom from the political people who'd like to take it away from us. We also like to keep the mainstream media on their toes and that's part of our mission. Our motto here is just we fight for better leaders and better policies and we will counter the, new, the news bias that's out there in Alaska's media sources. What else? We've got the Monday, Wednesday, Friday newsletter. We've got Club MRAC, which you've heard about. That's the daily legislative bulletin. And man, that thing is detailed. So you, you want that. If you're paying attention, you want that. And of course, we've got the YouTube channel. And we also have Rumble. I'm Suzanne Downing, and I am really glad to be joined by my co-host, John Quick, on the Kenai Peninsula in Nikiski. And he always has something to report. And John, what is going on in the Kenai besides scorching weather? Yes, thank you so much, Suzanne. John Quick here, coming to you live from the Kenai Peninsula. Super excited for everybody listening in today. Well, on the Kenai Peninsula, you can rest assured that your mayor, Charlie Pierce, will always fight for liberty and freedom. Uh, he is in the midst of uh, back and forth with the current superintendent on social media and over the news waves of KSRM and press releases, and he is not letting down. He has made a hard stance, and he has said that literally, as I, I'm going to quote him, that parents should always be parents should always make medical decisions in their kids' lives, not the government. And so as you sit and you have your kids going into school, whether you're on the Kenai Peninsula or in Anchorage or Fairbanks or everywhere else across Alaska, and you are forced to put your kids in a mask, you can rest assured that you have at least one mayor in Alaska that's fighting for your right to make your kids' medical choices and say it's not the government's decision to be making those. So uh, thank you, Charlie Pierce, for continually sticking up for liberty and freedom. I appreciate it. And uh, the folks of the peninsula really, really appreciate it as well. Freedom, justice, and the American way. We love us, um, Charlie Pierce, um, uh, and he's such a good Alaskan, and, and thank him for us for standing strong. Well, we are really happy today to be joined by, like, my favorite legislator of all time, and we had a, a survey up on Facebook this weekend saying, hey, if you could have one legislator for over for dinner, who would you have? And some people kind of went the Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> you know, route on us. But I would, I mean, who would you like to cook dinner for? And um, not who would you like to cook for dinner? I'd like to have over dinner representative Kathy Tilton. That'd be my favorite choice. And she's with us on the show today. Kathy, can you hear us? Uh, thanks, Suzanne. Yeah, I can hear you. And thanks for Great. that. I'd and love welcome. to have dinner and, with you too. 
Yeah, and, and welcome to uh, Mustard Alaska show. So um, you're there in Juneau, and you're in your office there in the Capitol, fighting for uh, our our rights, fighting for our liberties, our freedoms, and and of course District 12. And I appreciate that so much. And I know it's quite warm there. And the, are you kind of stuck indoors today, or do you get to get outside? Oh no, we're stuck in. We're I, I guess I call it stuck indoors, although it feels like we should be stuck indoors because we only have a certain amount of time to get our job done. And I think uh, indoors is exactly where we need to be, even though it's a really beautiful day out. Yeah, you guys have some beautiful weather, and there's nothing prettier than Juno on a sunny day like today. Boy, I tell you. Um, but luckily, the days are longer, so hopefully you'll get out a little bit today. And I know that uh, you're on day 90 of the legislative session and it seems like a long time since anybody's ever gotten out of there on day 90 and it doesn't even seem like things are wrapping up and, and coming to a close. I see there's some budget closeouts going on in the Senate, but they're dragging their feet over there and the, the House took a while to get organized. There was some drama early on and um, now uh, well, here we are on day 90 and uh, just, you know, the budget's not done. So I want to talk with you first about the budget and find out why the, the house is behind schedule. Um, can you explain to us what's going on? Sure. First, I just would like to talk about that our caucus believes in, um, you know, governance that fits Alaska, and we really want Alaska to be open for business. So um, we're kind of concerned about uh, why we haven't seen a budget. We're about three weeks behind in seeing one. And what we are hearing is that a lot of uh, the decisions that the House majority is making are riding on the ARPA funds, um, the American Recovery Act funds, and looking where they can replace the um, UGF funds with ARPA funds, which, um, you know, I think that we need to be good stewards of our money. I absolutely agree with that, but I have some challenges in um, replacing UGF funds with ARPA funds just because it's it's a short-term solution. It's just filling the holes. It's not looking uh, for this long-term solution that we need here in Alaska. Yeah, you know, that's a, uh, obviously that's a good point, which is it feels like we are, you know, we came up to a, a a cliff and this year we're really going to have to make some hard decisions and all of a sudden the more ARPA money came out and or, or more CARES Act money in the form of ARPA money and so we, we're just kicking the can down the road a little bit on some of the tough decisions we have to make and, and it's uh we're gonna we're gonna come to a point where there won't be these this the federal printing press right Right, right. And, you know, we need to be looking at how are we going to, um, you know, how are we going to encourage resource development, all of our resources, so that we have um, some uh, different ways to bring money into our state outside of the usual uh, oil and gas, which we've seen that down in the oil and gas industry, we, you know, we want responsible resource development. We want to increase and improve and protect our fishing and our tourism. Um, you know, all of those, all of those different things. And, um, you know, it, I, I suppose that some people are excited because they may think that the money coming from the federal government is free money, but we all know that there is no free lunch. There is, there, there is no such thing as free money. So um, I have a lot of concerns there. I think our, our whole caucus does have a lot of concerns. Um, and again, um, we need to get our job done. And there's a lot of things that need to, questions that I think Alaskans are waiting to have answered. You know, what, what does, I mean, what happens with permanent funds, dividend? What happens, yeah. you know, what happens, uh, what happens with our deficit spending that we have right now? 
how are we going to uh, control that spending? There's there's so many questions and we haven't seen any of those big pieces of legislation on the floor or in, in any of the committees right now. So a um, little bit concerning. Yeah, yeah, we see, we see stuff going on in uh, committees like, oh, they, we've got bills such as, uh, some, I think Representative Hannah wants to uh, prohibit conversion therapy. And we've got those kinds of bills. Meanwhile, we are actually, you know, we're building a crisis for ourselves. If we've obviously got a crisis that has to be addressed somehow in our economy, which is we are fully in a crisis in our economy because it's all just being propped up by, by federal funds that are being sort of borrowed from our great grandchildren. Well, there's a new um, there's a new committee substitute I know in House Finance. And um, what? So have you seen that at all? I mean, you're not on finance anymore. You're the you're our House <laughs> Minority Leader, but. What is that? What does that CS look like? Yeah, we haven't seen the CS at all. As a matter of fact, we just kind of created our own document here uh, to kind of see where we were at, at as we came out of subcommittee. And it looks like there was a increase, um, not a huge increase over the governor's amended budget, but still an increase over the governor's amended budget. So sometimes you just got to wonder, like, ooh. When an agency asks for a, a specific amount of money, why why would it be that you would want to give them more than what they ask for? And that just that just in my mind just doesn't compute or make sense. So uh, you'll be seeing some amendments uh, coming from the minority members to go back to what maybe the requested uh, the requested numbers were and looking for some efficiencies and ways to uh, reduce that budget down. That's interesting to me because I know that the governor kind of gave put forward a budget that wasn't really cut down. I mean, he was he sort of just threw in the towel in a way and, and gave uh, gave over a budget that was basically a wasn't it just a kind of a, a flat budget? Yeah, it was basically a flat budget to start with. So there wasn't any great decrease in that budget. And uh, mm -hmm. now um, uh, what we've seen out of subcommittee is, um, you know, some increase. I, I, it's not a huge, huge, substantial increase, but there's definitely increase. And, and I just I stopped. I just have to question and say, again, why would um, you want to give more money to um, administration than what they're asking for? This, right. you know, it just doesn't make sense. Right, right. Um, well, what's the, what is the sort of the time frame on some of this stuff with all the committee substitutes and then um, what it could even get to the floor of the house? So we're not in control of the time, but from what I understand, um, the, 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 uh, the big holdup is just um, waiting on those ARP, ARP funds and how can those funds be replaced UGF funds that bill was there was a bill that was filed by the governor that was read across today and I understand that there will be a hearing on that tomorrow. Outside of that, uh, we had heard that Wednesday was a possibility for getting the committee substitute um, and it looks like uh, the there it is uh, scheduled through uh, Saturday, but my understanding is that uh, that's when amendments could be due. So look at it that way, it looks like we could be another week, week or more out before the budget even hits the floor. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and sure, they do have to figure out uh, so what that art money can be spent on and what it can't be spent. And I understand that those, that that it's coming with very few um, sideboards on it. It's going to be pretty general, and so. But of course, you guys are the appropriators and, and you've got to be cautious and not uh, let the governor take over all the appropriations when that is, in fact, your job. 
So I do get that. Absolutely. Our job is to be the appropriators. Although, you know, I don't, uh, I, my understanding is that the Senate um, ha, I, and talking with the Senate, they could take the budget. There are ways that we could uh, get the budget done without waiting for that money to be specifically appropriated in. Um, it could be, um, I mean, just an example, and I'm not saying this is, you know, what what is gonna happen, obviously it's not, but I mean, it could be that if you were gonna be replacing funds, you could be you could do it through the conference committee process. So there are ways that we could be moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, um, but again, you know, we're, we're not in control of the agenda and the timing right now, so. Well, um, and so for, for those just tuning in, uh, this is Kathy Tilton with us here on the Must Read Alaska show, and I'm Suzanne Downing. We're so thrilled to have her. And for those who don't remember, I, I did work for Kathy for one session. I learned so much working with you, Kathy. It was um, Representative Tilton. It was really quite a good experience for me because, you know, you think you know how the legislature works. And I'd worked for a couple of governors. I worked for Sean Parnell and I worked for, for Jeb Bush. But boy, it makes a big difference to go and work with the legislature. It, it's not what you think it is. You, and, and I think uh, those of people who are critical of legislators, really, they really ought to go down and, and run and do an internship like I did for a session. And they'll come away with a lot better understanding of, of how these things works. John, um, you, you're on the show still with us, aren't you? Yes, I am. So, you know, I think a lot of folks, um, as they're listening to this, and as I think people you know, read things on Facebook or get little snippets of press releases. They hear about committee meetings and they hear about other meetings. And, and I think if, if I were to kind of uh, put that into layman's terms for folks that are listening in, that Representative Tilton is literally on the front lines battling for conservative values. And so whether it's in committee meetings or on the floor or in different meetings, that she is a... Uh, bare bones conservative person who is out there fighting for the basic principles that conservatives care about. And that can be seen in a number of different ways. One of the ways that we're going to talk about now is uh, a bill that is going to be near and dear to folks who are uh, libertarian or conservative or even folks that are uh, uh, on the Democratic side that uh, enjoy fishing and hunting because I think some of the some of the things that people worry about is you know over the last year we've had all these emergency declarations and we've had you know uh, whether it be in this the city of Anchorage or different boroughs and folks are worried that some of these emergency declarations are going to be taking away their rights for gun ownership and I think that that's probably something that's near and dear to your heart that is a reason why you've championed this. And so we have House Bill 197. Can no, 179, you talk, 179. Or 179. We have House Bill 179. Can you talk a little bit about how that bill came to be and and kind of in general what, what the bill stands for? Sure, absolutely. So my, my first uh, term in the in the house, uh, which this this will be my fourth term, uh, we, you know, I was really interested in um, just being able to be a, um, a you know having having my gun rights, um, my Second Amendment rights, uh, and so we started uh, was, uh, just a small group. It's it's a, it's just a gun caucus, and we go out and we, you know, that's where we get rid of our stress. You know, we go to the range or, or we do whatever it is that uh, we. Uh, we uh, have an opportunity to do. Um, and so, um, you know, your second amendment rights are really important to me. And 
um, it was my good fortune that I actually was contacted by the NRA um, requesting this bill. Um, it, what it would do is it just um, simply stipulates, you know, that emergency order disaster declarations may not be used as justification by a state, a municipality, or the university to any way restrict the existing gun-related rights and statutory provisions. Um, you know, um, back when the uh, municipality of Anchorage did their uh, declaration, they didn't totally shut down access, but it was getting close to shutting down the access to stores like, uh, you know, the big the big stores that have uh, ammunition and things like that. And I think Alaska is a state where hunting is really important. It's not just about uh, going to the range and, and practicing, but, you know, it's a way of life here in Alaska. And, and I don't think that it is any, like, really a, a partisan bill. It's actually very bipartisan. Um, here in our state, um, there is, uh, you know, we have passed several, several bills that were along a bipartisan um, uh, grouping, you know, um, HB 102 was done, uh, that was the permitless carry, constitutional carry bill that, you know, had uh, represented Croft, and then in, it passed the House 31 to 4, and the Senate 13 to 6. So, you know, um, and Representative Chenault did a bill in 2005 that was HB 184, which was the right to carry firearms in your motor vehicle. And again, that passed 32 to 4, and in the Senate 17 to 2. And then there's the HB 69, which is the bill right now that makes us a sanctuary state. Um, and that passed the House 31 to 5, and the Senate 17 to 3. So, and this particular bill has been passed in other states really on a total bipartisan um, line um, in Georgia and in West Virginia and in South Dakota. So, um, so I don't look at it as being a, um, you know, a partisan bill. I look at it as being an Alaskan bill. That's great. I think, you know, for folks listening, this is a, a, a tangible way that your representative is making a difference. You know, oftentimes I think it's so easy for folks to throw people under the bus and to say, what do they even do? And what do they, you know, what do they do for 90 days or 120 days? Here's a tangible example of Representative Tilton going to bat for the everyday Alaska to make sure that they have the opportunity to keep and bear arms even during a emergency declaration. And so uh, I think that's awesome. And I, I want to congratulate you for spearheading that because I know it will be a bipartisan uh, effort. And uh, do you, uh, what's the time frame on something like this? What do you imagine? Do you think this gets done this session or do you think it's going to be a holdover? I would hope that it would get done this session, although there, it did receive three committees of referral. And I was told by the speaker's office, they, you know, they're the ones who give the referrals that they were giving all gun bills three uh, committees referral. I did uh, community regional affairs and um, I think that's fair, um, judiciary and state affairs. So um, it, it could be some time to see some movement, but um, I plan to talk with the uh, committee chairman and let them know the bipartisan support that other bills have received and hopefully I'll be able to move it along. Yeah. And yeah, just, I Jump in there for a second. Uh, you know, back when uh, Ethan Berkowitz was putting his mandates in place here in Anchorage, and it was a major hunker down order and shutdown. He shut down all stores except for those that were 
um, just the basics. Even Fred Meyer, you couldn't go into the clothing section. They had it all barricaded off. Do you remember that? And um, I remember at the time saying, look, they haven't exempted firearm stores, but they, they didn't exempt a lot of stores like flower shops and gift stores and others, that, knitting stores. They were all shut down because they weren't considered essential. Now, the gun stores, they took a little bit of a different viewpoint on it. They said, you know, you'll shut down our our stores, you know, over my cold dead body kind of a thing. And so Berkowitz really quickly backed off on that. And he he said, oh, no, no, because, you know, that's essential for hunting. But, you know, that's not what the, the First Amendment was ever for. It wasn't for hunting. I mean, the Second Amendment. Right, <laughs> so, right. I could I could read your thoughts there going, no, no, no. <laughs> This is the Second Amendment we're talking about, dear. But uh, the Second Amendment was never about hunting. But they said, oh, no, no, we, we're not shutting down the gun stores because you need those for hunting. They really kind of missed the point. But uh, so I think that this is an important bill because it does create a bright line for these municipalities if they ever decide to go into emergency mode again. Let's just say we have a big earthquake and they decide to declare an emergency that they will not be able to shut down uh, our, our rights to um to defend ourselves and our rights to our second amendment rights. So that is a, a good bill and we'll be following that. And John, I, I hope you will on behalf of Must Read Alaska, let's just let's just throw that on, on your in basket to really follow that bill and make sure that we know what's going on with that. Consider it done. You know, it, it's, your, it's a constitutional right. And so I think that that's the thing that makes it um, maybe a, a little a little bit different from uh, shopping for clothes or other kinds of things. I mean, it is your constitutional right. It is the Second Amendment of the Constitution to, you know, protect our right to uh, to bear arms and to not have the government infringe upon that right. Well, before we leave that topic, are are you is the Gun Caucus going to go out to the shooting range and, and have a, a competition this year? You know, Suzanne, we wanted to do that, but um, we were trying to put something together, but it does not look like we will be able to get it put together. One of the reasons is um, we are learning to conserve ammunition. Oh, <laughs> so, I see. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so that's true. finding ammunition here in Juneau has been a little tough. Um, mm -hmm. I waited in line at a store for about 45 minutes and went on the day they got some in, but I, but I got my two boxes, my 100 rounds, so I was happy. Um, yeah, but so, that goes fast. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we are looking at, uh, we actually just started a, a 2A caucus that is kind of an offshoot of the gun caucus, the gun caucus being just more of a fun shooting group, and the 2A caucus will be watching uh, the things that come out of the Biden administration and uh, doing some other other things um, throughout uh, throughout uh, this uh, legislature and uh, hopefully to keep people informed and to um, maybe do some events um, um, later on, uh, maybe um, maybe even a maybe even an event and I uh, use the funds to um, put towards um, people who um, let's see, I think what it, this month is um, I'm hang on. I'm, I, I the words are yeah, this is like a sexual violence awareness month yeah, or something. Yeah, or, maybe we maybe we we uh, do some kind of a fundraiser and throw those towards that. So well, that's uh, that's interesting because I know in the past when you guys have had shooting uh, the types of expositions and and competitions, you always do very well. In fact, you basically clean up. So you're you're <laughs> a straight shooter as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, I I know that COVID has has created a a shortage of ammunition because it did create a big slowdown in 
um, the manufacturing process is my understanding, but also the, the Biden administration, uh, their, their threats to our second amendment rights is creating also more pressure for some of these things. And I know that in addition to working on these second amendment issues, which I think this is great that you have a second amendment caucus because during this Biden administration, it looks like you're gonna have your work cut out for you, but you are also facing a, a public that, you know, we've been out of the Capitol for a year. I haven't yeah. even gone to Juneau this year. So I haven't been there to Juneau since last March. I just feel like it's, for me, it's respectful to stay out of the Capitol if you don't need to be in it because it is a small building. The airflow is not real good. And there are people working in there in small offices. And, you know, if you don't need to be in there, maybe not. But, you know, the legislative um, information offices maybe could be opened up. And maybe what, what we could see is... Um, a movement to get those open so people can go and testify. What do you think about that? Sure, absolutely. First off, I think it's ironic that Alaskans capital is closed to Alaskans. Uh, yeah. You know, it just doesn't seem like it's right. It's bad enough that we are not on the road system. So it takes quite a commitment to get to the capital. But then um, if you actually, you know, were able to get to the capital, uh, the capital's shut down under lockdown mode, basically probably one of the safest buildings in the whole state. Um, we test, uh, we ourselves test every uh, every five days, and uh, I would say a great number of people have taken the vaccination um, on their own. And we can talk about vaccinations later because you know I, I can I can say for our caucus, none of us believe that anybody should be forced to take a vaccination. As a matter of fact, we have uh, Representative Carpenter has a bill that is uh, HB one seventy five that is uh, um, protecting your immunization rights. So, um, but that's. I guess we can go and, and talk about that later. Um, as far as opening the LAOs, I think that that is a good, you know, a good first step in having a plan to open the the capital as well. Um, you know, the legislative information offices have been shut down, and those are in communities, and that's where you, t you know, the testimony people can go to give testimony for, uh, you know, these. Uh, public um, hearings with uh, the budget and what have you. And we've seen a, a limited uh, public testimony or in the case of the Board of Fish where it was five hours where people waited online to testify. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I, I don't wanna get into fish politics. That's a whole nother, uh, whole nother discussion. But, um, so, you know, I have been working with, um, with, um, uh, talking with the legislative information office and what their plan is to open back up and had mentioned it also to, to uh, the speaker that I, I felt strongly that the, you know, the information offices needed to be open. And so that's something that I am working on um, to uh, see if we can get those open to the people. And of course, opening uh, and having a plan to open Alaska's capital to Alaskans. Um, I just think that that's just, just, um, it, it just makes sense. Well, sure. And then some of these places, I mean, Juno has a very, uh, has, they've got 60 plus, maybe 67% of Junoites have been vaccinated now. And I mean, the case count is incredibly low and people are uh, taking different kinds of precautions. And I know that you could have a LIO open up in the Valley. And um, I think the case counts aren't as high as people say they are in the Valley. I think the Valley is a, is a pretty safe place, don't you? Oh, I think so. You know, interestingly enough, the MATSU has a daily case uh, 
growth rate of roughly half of that of Fairbanks, North Star Borough, and roughly a third of the CBJ, despite having a significantly lower vaccination um, rates of, of people being vaccinated. So um, I think that's really interesting when you think about it. I'm pretty sure that uh, the Matsu would, people in Matsu Valley would love to have their LIO open, but so would Fairbanks. And, you know, so would, uh, I think there's an LIO down in Ketchikan and one in, is there one in Kodiak? I mean, in the places where they're just, uh, they're just harder to get to Juno and those LIOs seem super important. So I know that you're working to, I mean, what's interesting is when we send our legislators to Juno, they don't get to run the whole table. They're one of 60. So you've got 59 other people you have to negotiate with. And at this point, you're having to negotiate with people who are a little bit more reticent to uh, to allowing Alaskans to live free. And uh, you're fighting for us. And I appreciate that. And I know that you're at least fighting to get these LIOs open in the best way you can. But you know, you only can do whatever the house speaker allows us allows to happen really that, that is true and you know we have a great caucus of 18 uh, 18 wonderful um, members um, and we have a big voice but we still aren't the ones setting the rules they That's actually right. just legislative council just put together a working group to talk about I, I believe what they're going to be talking about is uh, considering changes to our mask mandates here in this oh. building um, oh. but the, you know it's the presiding officers and the two rules there. So um, the House minority won't have a big say in that. Um, although I do plan to make our voices heard. You know? Although you will, you will certainly make your voice heard. Well, speaking of uh, those kinds of mandates, I, I, I wanted to ask you about House Bill 175 because you did bring it up. And it's uh, Representative Carpenter's bill and it's to uh, prohibit uh, mandated vaccines for Alaskans. What is going on with that? Is it Does it stand a chance in this particular House leadership organization? Uh, you know, it was also, it was referred to uh, Community Regional Affairs and Labor and Commerce. I'm not sure what the mo mo movement will be on either Representative Carpenter's bill or my bill, but I can tell you that the more uh, we hear from the people in the state of Alaska, another reason for the LAOs to be open for transparency and so that people have the opportunity uh, to maintain maintain trust in their legislature, you know, say, so, I mean, you want to know what's going on. And so I, I can't tell you what the movement will be on Representative Carpenter's bill, although I am glad to say, you know, the governor of this, this great state came out today and said that there would be no mandate of vaccination. I think that that's a personal choice. The choice that you make between uh, your health provider, yourself, and uh, you know, and really, it um, really is not up to me as a legislator to tell you what to do. And I believe in the personal freedoms that Alaskans, especially, you know, America believe was made up and grounded on freedom, but I mean, Alaskans are so especially, you know, um, strong about our our freedoms here. This is, you know, God intended for us to be free in America's dedicated to the idea of individual freedom and the right to pursue happiness. So um, far be it for me to mandate someone to do something that they do not believe in. Well, by golly, we should talk more often. I mean, this has been a great conversation and I know you've got work to do, but can you just tell us how maybe like an average person can make a difference? I mean, is it letters? Is it emails? Is it showing? Is it, I mean, we can't really, we can show up at town halls when you have the chance to get back, but it's hard for you guys to to go back and forth. What can Alaskans do to make a difference this year? 
So I know that, you know, it's really tough to ask Alaskans to continue to call in, especially when they're feeling very frustrated, um, not just on a local level, but on a, on a federal level as well. And I'm going to say something a little off the grid here. You know, one of the, one of the great things is um, um, Alaskans to pray for their legislature, to pray for their state and to pray for their leaders. That's uh, really, uh, really is really huge. Um, and, you know, even those leaders we might not agree with, sometimes uh, they, need, they need prayer as well. Um, but as far as what you can do, calling in for testimony is, is uh, really important or writing your writing in for testimony on uh, HB uh, 179, the bill that I have, we have already um, have lots of uh, letters coming back in, showing support okay. for that. You know, and the more support we can show, and uh, you know, if I can encourage uh, some another legislator to sign on my bill, if I have 21 co-sponsors, well, then it's a little bit harder to, you know, not hear the bill. So right now, that you know, that's what I'm working on. I have, I think, uh, 18 or 19, and that's what I. That's what I'm working on. So encouraging your own legislator, let your voice be heard. Getting um, letters, calling in during public testimony. It's, it's all important. I know that it is, uh, you know, I know it's frustrating and I know it's time consuming, but it is really important. Right, right. And I guess really from a Mustard Alaska's pr pr uh, perspective, uh, for anyone who's listening today, and when you when you call or you write your legislator, you might not be fortunate enough to have uh, Representative Tilton as your legislature, legislator, you may have somebody who is a lot less freedom loving and a lot more totalitarian. <laughs> and, but you got to treat them with respect and um, quite honestly, name calling and, and being um, being vicious to them really doesn't win you any um, a hearing with them. People, nobody wants to be treated poorly. So always approach your legislators with respect, even if you deeply disagree with them. And then when you do agree with them, just support them in that way. For instance, maybe you've got a, uh, maybe your legislator is somebody like Garen Tarr, who you may disagree with on everything else, but if she does do something right, you know, send her a note and tell her that you really appreciate it when she does something right. It, it, you know, positive reinforcement could help. Well, Kathy, uh, Representative Tilton, it has been really great for you to show up on our show today. And we're going to do this again with you. And I, I know that you've got a couple, three more weeks there in Juneau. Maybe we'll talk again in another three weeks. Would that be something you could do with us? That would be absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, thank you for joining us. And for, for everybody else, before we go, you know, sign up for the newsletter. It's right there on the front page of Must Read Alaska. And you'll, you'll get the Club MRAC, which is your daily bulletin from the halls of the Capitol. And we work very hard on it. It's very detailed, very focused on the budget, which of course is what the legislature is primarily there to do, which is to be the appropriators. And so we want you to be a, uh, a subscriber. And then of course, tune in midweek because our Must Read Alaska podcast on Wednesday, it's usually up by Thursday morning. I don't, I don't know, maybe that's, our, maybe that's our better one of the week. Scott Levesque is our midweek host show. He's doing a great job. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, well, thank you so much. It really makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. So support the conservative side of the news. The donate button is on the right side there at mustreadalaska.com. And we will remain strong, independent, thoughtful against the blue wave of liberal activist media. So until next time, John and Scott and Kathy, we are signing off from somewhere in Alaska.